0: It's the Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, June 22nd. Your daily dose of Flyers news analysis and high quality content that's got LeClaire and Sharp and then some more versus discussions to have on the upcoming draft.
1: A lot of names,
0: a lot of names on today's show. And we will get to that right now. Your Locked
1: On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hey there. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Russ Cohen, who is on Twitter at Sportsology. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. You can subscribe or follow us for free on YouTube. We're now on the SiriusXM app, anywhere you listen to podcasts, you will get our latest episode as soon as it's available here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Russ, uh, we had an introductory press conference for John LeClaire and Patrick Sharp uh, yesterday and I thought it was really interesting. There were some similarities and there were some differences between the two, but I, I think as far as the similarities, uh, I think they, they do take very seriously the idea of a flyers culture and wanting to make sure that there is an established culture that, you know, torts kind of started that, but torts isn't, you know, flyers culture no. through and through Right. He has his own idea of what that is, but I think adding what LeClaire and, and Patrick Sharp bring to the table in terms of that culture, I, I think is is. You know, really, what they were emphasizing the
1: most. Yeah, there's definitely value there. I mean, they remember what things were about. Uh, you know, John was smart to say, "Hey, we didn't win any cups. I get it, but you know, we feel like we could, you know, get there. That's fine." Um, but yeah, they they did have a good culture back in the day. They, you know, had a family atmosphere. All that's great. It, there's nothing wrong with talking about any of that.
0: You know, it was funny. I think both of them um, could not hide the fact that they misplayed. Oh yeah very very much and the way they talked about being excited uh sharp especially i want to be back on the ice i got all this new equipment yeah and no um, no instructor
1: skate. talks about his new gloves or stick or whatever yeah. like he's gonna <laughs> go out there and start shooting again like you know nobody does that
0: it was so funny but you know leclair was the same way i think that they just both like being out on the ice and if the way they can do it now is you know helping younger guys develop uh, you know, more power to him. I just thought it was like very clear in, a, in an amusing It way. was. It that, was amusing. It
1: was... I, I look, I get it. Like these guys, it's in their blood. Like they can't get away from it. I, I understand that some of them can walk away. Like there are some players in sports, like when they're done with the sport, sometimes they don't even watch it. They're just done with it. Like it's just, that's it. I'm done. On to my new.
0: It was a job. Yeah, it was like yeah. a job.
1: That's it. New part of my life is coming up. Most time with hockey players, it's not the case. I found that to be the case with some other sports, but not really with hockey players. It does seem to be in their blood.
0: I think so, too. Uh, Something else in both of their blood is the connection to the University of Vermont, uh, where each of them played LeClaire for a longer period of time. But I I did really think that it, it was interesting in terms of what Patrick Sharp talked about specifically with his experience. And and I thought a lot of it was really valuable. And I'm looking forward to what he can bring to the table in terms of prospect development because not only did he talk about his experience with Vermont, about learning really just the notes and nuts and bolts of player development, how to, you know, talk to players, how to deal with tape, you know, how the the mechanics of of being a part of that process works. And I think that will give him a leg up in entering dev camp for the Flyers and, and being able to just get involved right away. And then secondarily, his you know experience being a Lehigh Valley Phantom in his development, and he could not be more um, effusive in his presentation about how much he appreciated his time with the Phantoms and how it really led to ultimately his success in the NHL.
1: Talked about um him being a phantom and covering them for the year that they that they won and that was the mm-hmm. lockout year and it was great to cover like so i get it they were right in the spectrum it, it was it was different and it definitely was a learning experience for him and look i'll, I'll be the first to tell you that you know, like sharp didn't really get a chance with the flyers not his true chance and and that probably gives you gives him and gave him valuable experience and in the end he actually got the last laugh because he won a stanley cup and he's got the ring and he won it on that ice right so
0: well, let's not let's not well, you know limit it to one <laughs> he had multiple
1: true but that was the big one because he did it in philly yeah. that's really where i was getting at yeah i think again here here's what i would say about this as far as being a business right so if today i'm starting a business and i say Rachel, I'm in the hamburger business. And you're going to be, okay, great. What is going to make your hamburger different from everybody else? Give us the special sauce. And the Flyers have not given us the special sauce. So we don't really know. They're in the, they're in the, in the hockey business, clearly. But still from all these press conferences, other than culture, I don't really know what their direction is. Uh, I think Sharp actually got closest – to at least giving us some insight into his job. And I think it was a little more muddled for John LeClaire.
0: Yeah, I do think there's some things to be determined. And my supposition reading into what was said is that they're really going to get a sense of things at development camp. And they're both going to be very heavily involved, they're going to be out there on mm-hmm. the ice. And then coming out of development camp, I think they'll get some more clarity in terms of their individual roles and you know which players they're going to follow and which which parts of the prospect development process, each of them are going to kind of uh take the lead on it, it that's really what it seems like to me based on what was said uh definitely you're correct sharp had more clarity on that right now you know talked about working with the phantoms and the east coast prospects um i think he's very secretly itching to work with cutter gautier sure. a lot yeah, yeah. you know he mentioned new he england did. specifically i was like i was like hmm, i wonder who he's talking yeah. about there but you know in but, a week he could be uh, talking
1: about two guys there
0: it's true It's very true, and so I think that uh, that's really the path that I see happening here is that they're both going to be at dev camp, they're both going to be out there on the ice, and then they'll kind of divvy up some stuff in terms of who they think is suited to work with different guys based on personality fit and skill set and all of that. See,
1: now, when you said some stuff, that's what I'm worried about is the stuff. like My only thing here is, if you remember, like I want to say maybe two months ago, when we had an idea that there was going to be a lot of different hirings, my whole thing was I wanted to see um, what they might be doing measurement wise, mm-hmm. exercise, physiology, you know, kinesiology, all that stuff, what they're going to be doing with this dev camp. And I have really no idea. And like Dev Camp isn't all just on ice instruction and giving pointers and answering life experience questions. There's there's more than that and I have no idea about that other part. So that's the part of me that's antsy. And maybe it's just me.
0: Yeah, well, and I think that's part of it. And you know, you and I were talking before we hit record and you know, we haven't heard much from Riley Armstrong no. and Nick Schultz yet. And I understand there there is a strategy to putting Patrick Sharp and John LeClaire out there yeah. in front of everybody first because they're recognizable names. So I don't really have a, a beef with that. Um, I just think that we really, should be hearing more from riley armstrong and nick schultz uh and i assume we will be when it comes around to DevCamp, camp and because they're in charge right now and so that would be my supposition that we'll hear more from from them around then um we still don't have an official announcement on but um both of both of the guys uh, yesterday said that it will be in early july so uh still waiting on those dates but um, that's usually when it is, anyway. Not like we were. It's not going it to surprise anybody. Be radically different. No,
1: no. It's not going to surprise. No. Um, no. The, the whole thing is, is I, um, if they led me to believe that what they're doing in DevCamp is going to be a little different, and it's already sort of mapped out, that would make me feel better. But I don't believe that's the case yet.
0: Yeah, I mean, we just don't know, right? That's the thing. We don't know either way, right? Um, but again, just hoping to hear from Riley Armstrong. I think moving forward. Yes. Um, just more, more specifically, and and then, you know, how John LeClaire and Patrick Sharp can support those efforts will be very important. Uh, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. We'll keep be keeping on, an eye on uh, when the development camp announcement is made. One or both of us will likely be there most of the time, so look forward to that. In the meantime, we do have the upcoming draft to continue covering, and we're going to look at some verses. Uh, tough choices that the Flyers could be making at 22nd overall coming up next. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. My favorite part of the game time app, it's great for getting notified about those last minute tickets and flash deals. Plus you can get that all important view from your seats, which is so important for me. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Also tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you'll never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We will be uh, continuing our draft coverage going into uh, next week for sure. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the mock draft that is finally out. Right now, at least the top 10 picks of the draft is out. So you can see who we picked uh, over on the LOCKEDONNHL feed. In the meantime, uh, we want to look at a tough choice the Flyers could be making at 22nd overall and looking at Riley height and Braden Yeager. Now we've talked about Braden Yeager on the show Mm -hmm. before we have not talked about Riley height. So uh, looking at Riley, he's a 511 180 pound forward with Prince George's in the WHL and he's a really interesting case because uh, he had a breakout year in 21, 22, um, but then he took another big jump this past season, which I think was a lot more than maybe people were expecting, given how strong his season was the year before. You know, could he exponentially increase his play? And he sure did. Um, fourth in scoring in the WHL overall. And he had the same number of assists as Connor Bedard, which, yeah. uh, you know, just shows his playmaking skills, right?
1: Yeah, he was right up there. Um time for the league lead, I believe. So in, in yeah. the dub. And so, yeah, he, he doesn't get that same kind of press. I think it's because of the height situation. No, no pun intended. Um, but I don't worry about his height. Like again, he can handle himself on the ice. He's really fast. He's good. two on When he's in a two on one situation, he's very decisive. He's got a great wrist shot, very fast wrist shot, like a quick release. Uh, good passer. He's a give and go guy. So he's creative. Solid passer on the power play. That's he can, you know, rack up those power play assists. Uh pro one timer. Like he's dangerous around the net. Doesn't matter his size. It matters about his hands and his and his quick release on his shot. So, you know, these are the things. Now, when asked um when I asked him about did he speak to, you know, flyers, rangers, islanders, he said Rangers, Islanders. So I deduced from that that he didn't speak to the Flyers. doesn't mean they don't want him, but I throw that out there because um, maybe they're going to have him lower on their board and they're you know, they telling us that they're going to go BPA and they're going to go by their board. So I don't know if Height will be here on their board, but what I'm saying is if, if anybody from the Flyers listens to this show, I think he should be. That's, that's what I'm saying. And it's possible they interviewed him during the year, but they didn't talk to him then.
0: Yeah, I think your point about his being effective on the power play is a really important one and and net front because yep. Flyers again, you know, really need to reload the tank on on that front. Yep. And um having multiple people that can do it is never a bad thing uh cuz you do have multiple power play units out there. Uh right now he's kind of ranked uh 13 to 36. So like mid to to late first round Mm -hmm. is really kind of where most people have him. And that's, you know, right at 22. So he could be there and it would definitely be a good pick at 22 for the Flyers. Um, You know, in in looking at his play, it's really his defensive side of of his play that people are most concerned about. But to me, it seems like the things specifically that he has issues with, he can get better at and he can learn and be taught. They're not things that if you don't have that skill like you'll never have that skill
1: right no i don't think so either he doesn't have an aversion to it and you if you see a mm-hmm. player has an aversion to it then they better be like a 90 point scorer or an 80 point scorer he doesn't have an aversion to it so that's fine so i i do believe you're right and he can do it
0: yeah and then um you know you want to look at Braden yeager who we have talked about um he is six feet tall, so a little taller, but he's smaller in size. Yes. He still needs to to bulk up a little bit again, kind of rank is later in the first round. For the most part, he's also known for his shot. But I think th- the big difference here between Riley Height and Braden Yeager to me is that he did not really progress as much right. this past season. He's his trajectory is kind of plateaued a little bit um, and you know, his game, he's kind of struggled with the transition game a little bit, but he does have that killer shot mm-hmm. and he is unbeatable with that shot. And so, you know, I think he would be a longer project here, but I, I do think there's a similar upside to him.
1: Well, he is a center. He's been in that league mm-hmm. forever, like since he was 16, I believe. So that's something else where. Yeah. He plays for Moose Jaw. Right in the WHL so, as
0: well. So there's two WHL guys we're talking yeah.
1: about. Well, here. it's a big WHL draft. If people haven't figured that one out yet, it is. Um so he did he plays center. He's been in that league for a long time. Now, the plateau part when he got asked about that at the combine, he did talk about, "Hey, he's been working on other things. Uh yeah, maybe his goals were down a little, but his playoff points were up." See, that's that's where I don't think he completely mm-hmm. plateaued because he, he hit another level in the playoffs. That's important to me. He was more than a point a game in the playoffs. So that's where he came through. And, you know, six goals in 10 games is actually really good. So if it, it was not a great regular season for him, maybe it's also because he was working on other things, did have other responsibilities, that's fine because it's not like his goal is not like his point total was embarrassing or something, right? You know what I mean? It was just a little off for what he's been able to do, but what I do like right. about him, uh, is that he is tricky around the net. Like he plays the corners really well. And, and that is something that's, a, you know, that's tough. When you get a guy like him that can pick it top corner, that is a skill, right? Um, he's also fast on the rush. He's also, um, Really another tremendous passer on the power play. So he, both of these guys would bolster the Flyers' power play in the future, and you do have to look at that because their power play has had trouble. Now, guys like Forrester and stuff will be on it in the future, but you need guys to get the puck to Forrester, and if Tippett's still there or whatever, you guys have to get him the puck. These are guys that can get him the puck. They could score too, but they could really get him the puck. And I do think that's part of the equation here. You have to – you know, we're, we're talking about this organization needing playmakers. And, you know, that's, you know, one Claude Giroux, I think, was drafted 20th, right, in Vancouver. And he was the ultimate playmaker. So you can get a playmaker yeah. in a good draft at this spot.
0: That's where I think the tough choice comes in with these two guys in particular, because they both have, you know, this really strong upside in that way. They both have some things to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's just like, to me, this is a tough choice, because I think both of them could be very successful in the NHL. Uh, It's just a matter of maybe you got to wait a little bit longer with Braden Yeager than you would with Riley Height um, to get there. But I, I think they have similar potential. So Russ, like, who do you pick between these two if these are your two choices here?
1: It's a good question. By the way, Drew was actually twenty-two. That's crazy that we're talking about twenty-two, and now it's
0: <laughs> yeah
1: all these years later. Um, I would go Riley Height. I think the difference is there's more ceiling. I think the floor is higher with Jaeger, um, but I think the ceiling's higher with Height, and so I'm fine. Again, if that one inch or two is a two inches, if that makes a difference to you, if you're an NHL team, it shouldn't. It doesn't make a difference to me. He's not, and he's not playing defense. So if you want to start getting into that argument. So I would really, I I like Riley height a lot. I think there's something there. I I think he's, he's got a little bit of an it factor and yeah, you you don't pile up that many assists because you're, you're lucky.
0: Yeah. I think to me, if you're going to do BPA at 22, Um, And if you've been less risky at seventh overall, again, you know, 22 is a great place to take a chance on somebody with a high ceiling. You got to look at that playmaking ability with height and, and, and take a gander there i I think that that is the difference maker for me um especially because again of his effectiveness on the power play i think that brayden yeager would be a fine choice here as well i just think it's a little bit of a safer choice and to me this is the go big or go home draft
1: yeah i mean I'm, i'm gonna take the bigger swing on height because he's the got the higher ceiling so let me take the bigger swing here because i really need A guy like this, if this translate, if everything we're talking about translates at the NHL level, this is exactly what they need.
0: All right. Well, we've got another tough choice for the Flyers coming up next in Cam Allen versus Quentin Musty.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. I look better and feel great wearing Bird Dog shorts and pants. Their stretch fabric really is comfortable and it is comfortable for long term. I wore them all day yesterday while we were recording and I did about three shows yesterday, Rachel, and they were great. And I did take my dog for a walk, and I hung out and around the house, and they held up really well. Uh, the anti-wicking on them is excellent. Uh, it was a warm day yesterday, so it helped. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NHL. Enter promo code locked on NHL for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NHL for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you.
0: So, Russ, uh, Cam Allen and Quentin Musty, and you have been sort of cheerleaders for both of these I guys. Have. So, I'm very interested to see what your decision would be at the end. But, uh, Quentin Musty, you felt like maybe didn't get a shot at the U18 squad the way that you would have. And, Cam Allen was on a really high trajectory uh but then sort of has fallen off. So let's talk about Cam first. He's a right-handed defenseman, 5'11", 190. He was the OHL rookie of the year in uh like 2 seasons ago, but then like didn't really statistically take a step forward this past season. Now, there could be a, a few reasons for that. Number one, there was some drama at Guelph where he plays in the OHL. And both of these guys are OHL guys right. by the way. And so there was like coaching upheaval mm-hmm. there. Plus Cam had a shoulder injury in December. So, you know, recovering from that, maybe he wasn't at his, his best. But there's a really good defenseman there. He's a great skater, super smart. Um, there's a reason why he was captain of Team Canada for the UA team.
1: Yeah. and, he, like, and They're he not going to give that. that to anybody. No. Yeah. And he like he's all heart and soul. and And he is a guy, if you just look at the physical build on him, He's already pretty well built. He probably can put, you know, five to eight more pounds of muscle on. He's got long arms, which as a defenseman you want for that reach, especially since if you're going to say, hey, he's only 5'11". Okay, well, he's got long arms, and he's a really good skater. Uh, He's used to playing in a lot of different roles. He can play the power play. He can play the penalty kill. He's played up and down in pairings. Like, he is used to that. Um, When he talked about, you know, watching a lot of Ryan McDonough And he was very schooled on mcdonough he goes you know from being captain for the rangers to changing his role in tampa to being the shutdown guy i can do those things and you know and ryan mcdonough's nickname was mac truck and so i said is that really you on the ice you know I, i put it to him a bit and he said yeah yeah i am that guy and can be that guy and the flyers did speak to him and i don't think the flyers spoke to him because they felt like they can get him in the third round i just don't think he'll be there in the third round i know some Some people have him ranked around 90 or whatever. But my gut feeling is, even though this isn't a draft for top pairing defensemen, it's still a good draft for depth defensemen, a lot of different roles for defensemen. And so I think once a run starts on them, if a team needs defense, I think his name's going to come up pretty quick. And I think that's the thing. So I would not be against this pick at 22 because I feel like, Plays the right side. So, again, maybe he's the the next guy that gets York back to his normal side. Uh, Doesn't care if he's playing on the third pairing. Doesn't care if he's playing on the first pairing. He might be your shutdown guy. He might be your everything guy. Like, they don't really have anybody like that.
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, again, you know, we're talking about filling in gaps in the system yes. and, and in the prospect pool for the Flyers here. This is a great chance to do that with a guy like Cam Allen. I think there would be a lot of consternation about it simply because he's ranked mostly, you know, mid late second round, if you look at it. But I think that's partially because of his statistical, yeah. you know, plateau yeah. that or or he actually went down in mm-hmm. his numbers in in the regular season for Guelph but again that team was in upheaval uh th- and not great this past year so I think there there's something to th- to that I thought he did play well in U18s uh he had four assists there a- in seven games again he's not going to have like a huge offensive output on a team like that um I think that he played his role well for team Canada there and again was the captain So I think that this would this would be a huge swing, I think, just from a perception standpoint in the 22nd pick spot, just because people have ranked him a lot lower.
1: Yeah, I'm not so concerned about the rankings. Look, maybe someone will play this video back in four years and I'll be wrong. I've been wrong. I've been right. Like, that's part of this game. But like and I'm not comparing the players. But as an example, if we look at Zach Whitecloud, who was never drafted, how's his career gone? Like, you know what I mean? And he was never drafted. So that's why I say I I don't mind them. If you call this taking a chance, that's fine. I don't think anybody's going to argue that this guy can't play the position. He can play the position. Maybe your argument is how many points is he going to give me? But maybe their argument is we don't even care about the points. We need a shutdown guy. He's going to be our shutdown guy.
0: Yeah, I think so. And then you look at Quentin Musty, right? American. He's 6'2", 190. That's, you know, very Flyers-like. But he is also on the younger side, so he doesn't turn 18 until July. So the room for his development, I think, is increased. You have a little bit more leeway with him in terms of taking the time he needs. Um, With Sudbury, he had a huge jump in his stats from the previous year to this past year, went from 31 points overall to 78 in a similar number of games. That is massive. Um, plus I think more importantly, he went from a negative 21 to a plus 16. I mean that if that does not show progress, I don't know what.
1: No. And he talked about paying attention to that side of his game. Um, he was in the U S program for a while. I think because he was in the Canadian hockey, you know, he's playing for Mm submarine, the OHL. Uh, I do think it's points against him in the U S system. And it's hard to get those guys on the team. We've seen that his numbers are, you know, undeniable at that level he's able to get behind the defense and have occasional two-on-ones, but he's working on his, on his skating. Cause he knows, Hey, it might be really good at that level, but it has to keep getting good at every level. So I'm not worried about that. I think that will come along. I just think musty uh, just sort of like gets forgotten about in some of these, you know, mocks and, and everything else. I think, I think they, um, the scouts know him. And I think that, you know, right around where Buffalo's picking from 13 on, you know, his name will start to get mentioned at some point, whether it's, you know, Buffalo that takes him or or if he drops to the Flyers. But he's a guy that if he is on the board, you have to seriously consider. Now, again, if the Flyers are going strictly on the board, then you take him. But you also have to consider how many other 6'2 guys playing similar positions you have in the organization too. Like that's a, you know, that's something that yeah you have to consider. That's why it's not always easy to say BPA. Because all of a sudden, if you have like, five guys you played BPA the last couple of years in the draft and you've got five guys with similar traits, all playing similar positions. You maybe have to go with need at that at some point. So you have to, they do have to look at that.
0: That's why it's hard to really do a direct comparison between Cam Allen and Quentin Musty again, because they're completely different, different situations, different different situations, but it's, it's the thought process here, right? Yes. Again, I feel like Cam Allen is a big swing. Quentin Musty is a really rock solid choice here, but at the same time, you're right. Do the flyers have too many guys like this already in the pipeline and do they need to, like, restock elsewhere? And that's where you might want to take a chance on Cam
1: Right. I think that's sort of what the thinking could be. Yeah. So so then who's your pick? My pick? Well, if Musty's there, I'm going to take Musty because I, I think you're getting tremendous value. But if Musty's not there, I'll mm-hmm. take Cam Allen. I'll say it like that.
0: All right. I think that is a fair way to put it. Uh, That will do it for today's show. Every day or tomorrow on the show. We're going to look at the pre-draft press conference from Danny Breyer and Brent Flair. Um, We will give our reactions to who actually got the nominations to the Hockey Hall of Fame, plus so much more. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send in your questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at Lockdown Flyers at Gmail or comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at R Miriam. That's R M I R I A M.
1: I'm Russell at Sportsology, S P O R T S O L O G Y.
0: Have a great day, everyone.